Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning. I was pretty good for the middle of the morning, but let's try it again. I mean, you've got a chilly Orlando day outside. Good morning. Great to see you guys here. It is, uh, it's always a delight to be here to interact. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of your leadership and just so enjoy uh, engaging with them. Appreciate uh, D- Pastor David and Pastor Danny's leadership and the rest of the pastors as they're, as they're dreaming and, and contemplating. But I also appreciate your responsiveness. That's not just recently, it, it goes back decades. But it's been really fun to, to hear some of the stories as Danny was talking about things that God's up to right now. Very, very unique, unprecedented, probably in the history of First Orlando in terms of the moment that needs to be stewarded right now and seized in terms of people being impacted. And I heard one of the leaders say, we, we are, have a real sense of urgency to make sure we figure out what the right way is for us to respond to steward this moment. And so they wanted me to talk to you for three hours and just unpack a little bit of what that can look like. Just kidding, but I consider it a great privilege to be able to listen to God along with you as you kind of unpack what does this next season. So over these next few months, you'll be hearing some things from the leadership, but not just that the leaders are doing, what they're doing to to want to enable you. And the scriptures are very clear. uh, The role of leaders within a church is equipping the, the followers of Jesus for the work of the ministry. So we all do it together. And over these next few months, you'll be hearing some things unfold uh, and spending some time before God in in prayer. And so to be with you on kickoff Sunday, uh, I really do consider it a privilege. And so let's listen as as we launch into this season, let's listen to the true teacher here. And it's not me. Uh, You know who I'm talking about. So let's speak to him right now. Let's ask God to speak into your situation personally but also into your situation as we walk as a community. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we're here. And thank you that you're here. Some of us are brand new followers of Jesus. Some of us are long-term followers. Some of us are not yet. Some of us are on top of the pile and everything seems to be going well and the winds at our back. Others of us are underneath the pile and the winds in our face. Yet you've called us to be together for right now, to speak not just into us personally, but to speak into us as a community. Walking with you, Jesus, it's immensely personal, but it's not private. We do it together. And I pray that you would enable me to to speak what you once said, As these amazing people launch into this this season, we're grateful for what you've placed before us. May we seize this moment. And I ask this in the name of the one who is way and truth, uh, but also life. Amen. Amen. 
So as I've been listening to your pastors and your leaders talk about what this season looks like, and they were talking to me about, okay, what do we most need right now as we're launching into this season? The first thing that came to my mind is, you know what? What we're going to do is well, we got to talk about theology. Boy, that went over well, didn't it? <laughs> Aren't you excited about talking about theology? Oh, yeah, there's one of you. Now, there are a lot of different kinds of theology we could talk about over the course of church history. I mean, you've got systematic theology and New Testament theology and Old Testament theology and dispensational theology and Reformed theology and patristic theology and liturgical theology. The list goes on and on. I'm not going to talk about any of those. Those are all very worthwhile. I'm going to talk to you about something that I call plumbing theology. And some of you are saying, does it, it sounded like you said plumbing theology. Yep, I did. We're going to make you a plumbing theologian this morning. For you guys to launch into this season, I have no doubt, you need your PhD in plumbing theology, and we're going to give that to you. We're going to have a little graduation ceremony on the way out. You'll get your diplomas. You guys want your PhD in plumbing theology? Okay, that, there was a couple of you. The rest of you, do you want your PhD in plumbing theology? Let's close in prayer, okay? <laughs> to get it, I mean, a PhD in plumbing theology will transform the way that we live, our relationships, our walk with God, our impact on the people around us. And to get your PhD in plumbing theology, you need to simply know one sentence. It only takes just a minute. It takes an entire lifetime to unpack it, but it takes just a minute to learn this one sentence statement. Here you go. To get your PhD in plumbing theology, you've got, and this is deep. Some of you aren't going to be able to handle it, I don't think, but the rest of you, just explain it to them. Here's the sentence. Plumbing theologians all know that there is a difference between a pipe and a bucket. I need somebody to say, ooh, well, See, that's my spiritual gift of clarifying the obvious that I just shared with you. There's a difference between a pipe and a bucket. What's the difference? Okay, we're going to keep being deep here. What goes into a bucket stays in a bucket. What goes into a pipe flows through that pipe and goes elsewhere. Buckets and pipes can look a little similar from the side. You get a short squatty pipe, kind of might look like a bucket from the side. You get a bucket, put it on its side, and it could look like a pipe. But what goes into a bucket stays in a bucket because there's a bottom. What goes into a pipe flows through that pipe because there's not a bottom. Years ago, before I got married, long ago, centuries ago, <laughs> I, when I lived alone, had a condo, I'd clean my kitchen once a year whether it needed it or not. I mean, I was just very, very habitual about it. One on one of those annual cleanings, I reached under the sink, and there was this little bitty bucket, little bitty pail that I, I'd put the, the sponge that I'd used in the previous year's cleaning. I'd put it in there, and I realized as soon as I grabbed it that I had not squeezed it out the, the year before. And so when I touched it and grabbed it, it disintegrated in my hands. A protective film that had developed around it was broken, and an aroma filled the kitchen. It was not the most pleasant thing in the world. Why? Because what had gone into that little bucket stayed in that bucket. And what goes into a bucket and stays in the bucket does not remain the same. It stagnates. But a lot of times we think if we just hoard, everything is going to be great. But no, 
It'll stagnate. Now bring that into the context of a group of Christ followers like us. All churches, every, every individual, at, at any given moment, you're primarily a bucket or a pipe. So am I, any moment. Then you get us all together. You've either got a bunch of buckets together or pipes together. And it's not a pretty sight when you get a bunch of of church people that are buckets clanging their stagnant water into one another. Uh, we, all of us have lived long enough to know there, there's some sad, ugly situations that can happen in religious communities. And one of the reasons it, it happens is because it's just a bunch of buckets that are sloshing around their stagnant water. But you get a group of people that are pipes, it's pretty exciting. Plumbing theology is throughout Scripture. Psalm 67 says, oh, God, bless us and be gracious to us so that your name might be made known among the nations and your salvation to all peoples. So it's not just, hey, be gracious to us and bless us so that we can hoard it and talk about how wonderful we are, that we're, we're God's favorites. No, bless us so that we can impact the world. Ephesians 4, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. One of the powerful passages about plumbing theology is in the passage we're gonna to unpack today in John chapter 13, verse 33, 34, and 35. This is in the upstairs room before Jesus gave his life the next day. He's giving his disciples the la his last minute. These is an important charge. And he's saying, my children, that's not derogatory. It's a term of endearment in their culture. I'll be with you only a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. And then he, he pronounces something, a new command. Their ears perked up. These are the disciples around that upstairs room, the upper room. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now that word, new command, the word command, you know what that's referring to? We see love and we think love and command, they can't go together. You can't command me to, to have a feeling towards someone. That's not the kind of love that's being referred to here. The love that's being referred to, the Greek word is agape. It's a volitional choice. Command implies this is a choice. It can be obeyed or not obeyed. This is not a feeling. And so as you and I are following Jesus, we get loved. The question is, will we be loved as buckets where it turns into something other than the vibrancy of the gospel, or will we give that love away? All right, I want to show you an image. Tell me if you recognize this movie. Who, who can tell me what movie this is from? The Sound of Music, obviously. 1965. One of the most popular movies in all of cinematic history, along with Dumb and Dumber. I mean, they are all kind of in that same category. People were, it was taken, it, and this was back before there were tons of movies out. And so there, it, was, it was taking the, uh, the cultures around the world really by storm in the entertainment industry. And there was a, a theater owner, a cinema owner in Korea that was started showing 
the movie's great business mind. This is before multiplex, multiple screen venues, just one screen. So he started adding showings because they were all selling out. Started having them in the morning. Still sold out. He thought, and he was having them back to back to back. The problem with The Sound of Music, it's two hours and 54 minutes, so it's a long movie. And he was thinking, if I could just get more showings, the way I could get more showings is shorten the movie. And so he looked at that almost three hours worth of of movie, and he realized there are 13 songs in this. Uh, If I take those 13 songs out, that's a little over an hour worth of time, and I can then turn it from a three-hour movie into a two-hour movie and get more showings and make more money. So he did. The guy took out the music to the sound of music. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Obviously, that didn't work for very long. In our walks with Christ, we tend to do the same thing. You guys remember when I was here in May? Some of you do. Just couple of you, please say yes. Okay. Because you should remember, traumatic experiences stick with people, and so you would remember when I was here. We talked, and I also talked about this just recently with the, the, the First Academy faculty and staff, some amazing, amazing human beings that are impacting this next generation. Uh, we talked about John 20, 31. Talked with you about that and with them. John, same gospel, He brings up what we're looking at in John 13. Now he's at the end of the gospel. He's saying, okay, this is why I've written this, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and, 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 there's two reasons, that by believing you may have life in his name. You remember we talked about part A, part B, purpose A, purpose B, orthodoxy and vibrancy is what I call them. The orthodoxy, the right belief, believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So I've written this that you may come to Christ, Talked with the TFA faculty and staff about it's continuing to train those kids in orthodoxy, but also model vibrancy, that by believing you may have life in his name. Imagine this is the lyrics of the gospel, orthodoxy. But the vibrancy is the music. Don't take the music out of sound of music. Don't take the music out of the gospel. It's not one or both. It's both and. It's not vibrancy without orthodoxy. And this word life, that you may have life in his name, we talked about that's the Greek word zoe. And you see it companioned with the Greek word agape that Jesus is using in this text. Zoe and agape have some things in common. One is the English word life and the English word love appears a number of times in Scripture. There are several Greek words that are all translated life. There's bios, heart-beating life, uh, suke, we talked about this, consciousness. But we're born dead in our trespasses and sins. So we're born dead in some way. What are we dead? Two, we're dead to the life of God. We don't have his life. Jesus comes and says, I want to give you the life of God again. That's what was intended in the garden. Similarly, love, there are a number of Greek words, all of which are translated love. There's eros, phileo, friendship love, romantic love, but then there's agape. Agape is a a volitional, unconditional love. These two are related. When I'm praying for you early this morning, I'm praying that you would have in this season a life-giving impact, a zoe-giving impact to this community. Going to, these two are connected. Take a look at 1 John. 
chapter 3. These are epistles that John wrote, and he says, we know that we've passed from death to zoe because we agape. You see that? You want evidence that you're alive in Christ, that you're experiencing that zoe, then you'll agape. Agape is exhibiting, making a choice to exhibit that unconditional love to each other, but it's that unconditional love that God has poured into us, so then we give it to one another. He says, anyone who does not agape, they're acting like as if they're dead. So I'll, I'll hear church leaders say, we don't believe that we're having the type of impact that we should be having in our, in our city, in our community, and that's why I love engaging with First Orlando, because you're having an impact, you want to steward it, you want to accelerate it, maximize it, multiply it. But those who are not, and they're struggling, more than once, I said, well, do the math. Do the math as to why you're, you're not having an impact, do the math. They say, what do you mean the math? I bring up this text, John 13, 34, here's the math. It's the math of life-giving impact. There are three parts to the equation. You've got experiencing his love so that we're all loved human beings, but we then need to extend his love, and as a result, then we exhibit his love. Let's unpack this first part because this first part is the hinge. And as you're headed into this season, I, I'm praying that you and I will grasp this together, how wide and how deep Paul talks about is the love of God. What does it look like? For him to love us. He says, a new command I give to you. As I loved you, he says, I want you to love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. So how has he loved you? How has he loved me? We could talk three hours about that. We're not going to. Let me give you a few. I'll give you four. Right away, how does God exhibit his love to you and to you? And to you, and to you. Now, the question is not whether he loves us, it's whether we receive his love. What's it look like? How does it manifest itself? He says, I accept you. I'm going to serve your needs. I accept you unconditionally. I'm going to serve your needs. I'm going to comfort your heart in the midst of whatever you're dealing with. And I'm going to commit my presence to you 24-7 and for all eternity. Let's unpack those one at a time. He says, as I've loved you, how does he love us? He accepts us. In the movie Avatar, very popular, had a phrase that they would greet one another with. It's a phrase actually that comes from a, a South African tribe that would use this as a greeting. It's a powerful statement for a human being to say to another human being, I see you. Because in the context of that, it's not condemnation. It's not I see you and how ridiculous you are. It's I see you. And I accept you. I embrace you. God says, I see you. Now, that's a scary thing for the omniscient king of the universe to say, I see you. I see you. He sees all of me. He sees all of you. And in the midst of that, he accepts us. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love this way, his own agape. That while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So it's so often, we're so performance-based when it comes to our religious formulas that are contrary to the gospel saying, hey, if I perform well, God will love me. And we translate that into our human relationships, i.e. buckets. 
And for a family to start getting, you know what? I'm loved unconditionally. Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what no condemnation means? No condemnation. And there's no doubt in my mind that in a, in a room this size and online, there are plenty of people right at this moment because it's how we, how we operate religiously is we're thinking, yeah, but I've messed up too much. No condemnation. It's not that God is saying, hey, I don't care about sin. He cares about our sin. He's paid for it through Christ's work on the cross. He's now clothed. If I'm in Christ, he clothes me with Christ's righteousness. He sees me and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He says, I see you. I see your flaws. But my son's paid for it. I accept you. That's how he loves me. He also loves me by saying, I want to serve your needs. He doesn't just say, I see you. You ever have anybody say, hey, I've got you? I mean, I live in Colorado. My sons and I would do rock climbing. And one of the things that I loved saying to my sons, and if you're, if you're dangling by a, a, a rope climbing and you've got somebody that's belaying you, for somebody to say, hey, I've got you. He says, I've got you. I'm going to serve your needs. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs. What do you think he means by the word all there? All. See, this is my Greek uh, expertise coming through. That's what it means in the Greek, all. According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. doesn't say he's going to take care of all my wants, but all my needs. First need was my sin issue that was separating me from the Father. He's taking care of that. And now he says, I've got you. Those needs, I tell you what, when the team, we, we, Sandra, we, after that Waymaker song, I was ready to close in prayer right there. Because that's it. He says, I've got you. I'm accepting you. I'm going to serve your needs. Third, I'm going to comfort your hearts. I'm going to comfort you. Since I was with you last, actually just last month, my big brother, he, so he left the house when I was second grade, and so I've always looked up to him. Uh, he lost a battle with cancer, and we have experienced, my sister and I, so it's just the two of us left, and we were talking about the comfort, the supernatural comfort of God. Psalm 119, 76, may your unfailing love, you guys have already sensed my biblical language ability, so what do you think the word unfailing means there? Unfailing. He says, I'm for you. Nothing is going to get in the way of me coming alongside you according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live. And when it comes to me, it doesn't just come where he sends a telegram. There's that fourth aspect of him loving us. He commits his presence to us. And he says, I'm with you. It's not just I see you. It's not just I've got you and I'm for you, but I'm with you. Whatever you're dealing with right now, he's here. 
He's with you. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord, and if you're one of these performance-based where you're saying, boy, I've messed up too much, this is hard to grapple with, but it's believing the gospel. Remember, when we believe on a daily basis, then we experience his zoe, and part of that experience of his life is knowing his love. The Lord God is with you. He's mighty to save, and he'll take great delight in you. And he'll quiet you with his love. And I love this one. He'll rejoice over you with singing. Right now, the king of the universe is rejoicing over you with singing. And mo- many of us will say, but I don't know about me. No, I've, 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 I've messed up too much. He knows. He sees us. But he's still for us. He's still got us. And he's still with us. And his smile is there. And nobody's going to separate us, Romans 8, from the love of God. He's with us continually. There's a, a, a read of an ancient Native American tradition long ago where they would initiate their young braves when they were 12 years old. Part of the initiation is they would blindfold them and then take them on a multi-hour hike into deep wilderness where the young man had never been. And they were careful to do it on when there was not a full moon, when there wasn't a moon at all, the nights were darkest. And this party would take him there, they would put him back against a tree, tell him he must not leave the tree. And he couldn't take the blindfold off until all indications that they were out of the area. He was equipped with a knife and for the bow and arrow, But he'd take off the blindfold. It didn't make any difference. He still couldn't see a thing. And he'd start hearing the sounds, the growls and the rustling. Sometimes he'd have to take care of one of those animals and defend himself. It was terrifying. And then in the morning when dusk started to bring some light to the situation, He would look over through the trees and see within eyesight his father who had been there the whole night and was continually with him. Look at those four exhibitions of his love. Augustine, St. Augustine, a great theologian, said God loves you as if you're the only person on the planet because he's omnipresent. So you, you got all of him right now. You leave here, you're going to have all of him. If you're watching online, you've got all of him. He's there, and he's saying, I love you. I accept you. I comfort you. I'm going to serve your needs, and I'm with you. No wonder, John says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, so what great love the Father has lavished on us. The Greek word there is potapos. It means get a load of this. It's something that busts out your understanding, blows out the walls, blows the ceiling off, knocks the floor out, beyond your comprehension. That's why Paul says that you would imagine how high and how deep and how wide is the love of God that comes to us. And he says, and that's what we'll be called children of God, and that's what we are. So I've got a question for you. 
It makes a difference, not just in your journey, but in the way that you're relating and the, with the people that you love the most, that you're involved with relationally. It makes a difference with you in this community, no matter how committed you are yet to First Orlando, it makes a difference. Here's the question. What if God loved you more than you dare dream? What if God loved me more than I dare dream? Some of you are saying, well, doesn't he? Exactly. But do I believe it? What difference, if I believed that, what difference would it make in the way I relate with him, the way that I began to understand obedience, and obedience is not earning my way to God, not proving my love. Obedience is responding to the love and the acceptance and the comfort and the care he's already given me. What, what, will it, what would it do to my relationships? What would it do to my, the way that I view the people around me? When I, if I'm loved by God more than I would dare dream, which I am, that's why it's pot of pot's love that the Father has loved us with. That's the table that Jesus is setting in this, this impact math. He says, you want to impact the world, start with receiving my love, but don't receive it as a bucket and say, yeah, aren't we special? We're loved by God. Because fairly soon, that stagnates and that religious dog won't hunt, as they say in Alabama where I'm from. Weird stuff happens when people hoard what God has done. Could be hoarding his love or hoarding the, 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 the time he entrusts to us, the finances, the abilities. All, if I just say, this is all just for me, part two of that equation, I receive it, then I need to extend it. And if I'm not extending it, I'm plugging up my pipe and I'm, something not very pleasant is going to happen. Look at the next verse, verse 34, read it again. A new command I give you, love one another. He sandwiches. He says, as I've loved you, but it sandwiches. Love one another, love one another. He's emphasizing that doubly because he knows my tendency. He knows yours. Arlene and I, as Danny mentioned, we were just down in Key Largo, our oldest son and daughter-in-law. We have one, one, one grandson. And uh, so we're down with him. You know, they say photos, uh, you, you can't hear a photo. You can only see a photo. I disagree. Take a look at this one. This was, we were headed to the beach on Monday. Can't you hear that photo? Now, I've got uh, 132 more of these photos that we're going to go through uh, in just a second. Just kidding. He's 10 months old. Don't, call me, don't, don't be upset with me. I'm just speaking the truth here, the honesty. I'm not being pessimistic. I know that he's not yet a toddler. And he will become a toddler. And when he becomes a toddler, there's some things that have come out that we're all really good at, like selfishness. This is my natural tendency, so is yours, and it's every child's. In fact, somebody sent me 10 property laws of a toddler. These are what all toddlers, they just, they sign this and they distribute it to everybody around them. <laughs> Number one, if I like it, it's mine. Two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Four, if I had it a little while ago, 
It's still mine. Five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Six, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Seven, if it looks like mine, it's mine. Eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. You guys all have, you were, you, this is all of us, remember, you knew these. Number nine, if you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And 10, if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> all right? So we're, we're all really good at saying it's mine. Tragically, we do that with what God gives us things get pretty messy. But if we extend, remember how God loves you, now let's apply those four to how we love the people around us. That's right. What if, first Orlando, accepting others and saying we see you, serving their needs, saying We've got you. Comforting their hearts, we're for you, and committing our presence, we are with you. You talk about a powerful thing. What is the result of that? In the equation, we're exhibiting his love. What are churches known for? Are churches known as life-giving places? Often no. Why? Because they're buckets instead of pipes. My commission to you in this season is to be pipes, not buckets, of all that God has lavished on you as a church. We were going through my mom's, some of my mom's stuff in the home right after my brother's service. My mom passed away before that, and so we're kind of taking care of all of that at once. And I found this in some of mom's stuff. It was just stuck in a, in a folder. First Baptist Orlando from February the 24th, 1991. There's some photos. We were looking at it back in the, the green room. There's some photos. These are our newest first folks right here. There's some people there that are here today. Somebody said, yes, yeah, she was sitting on the front row in the first service. You've got a legacy. So this season, seize it. Not as buckets and saying, boy, isn't all good, got what God's done, as, as pipes. Colossians chapter four. This is what I prayed over you this morning. Continue steadfastly in prayer. You're about to be given some opportunities this fall to devote yourself to prayer. They'll be telling you more about that in, in coming weeks. And you're devoting yourself to prayer, not so we can be pretty spiritual and proud of it, but devoting ourselves to prayer is pipes. And you go, uh, he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. There are two Greek words, both of which are translated time. One is chronos, is the mere passing of moments. All of our lives have chronos to describe us. The other is kairos. Kairos is time charged with a potential. Will we seize it or not? The Greek god kairos had, had long hair in the front, no hair in the back, wings on his feet, meaning once he passed, he missed it. 
in the name of Jesus underneath the call of the gospel. Do not miss this moment. These people are coming. They are present in our culture. People are more hungry than ever. There's this contrast in the fragmentation of our culture. The time is now for congregations and communities of people to say, we will be pipes. We will not be buckets. So go do it. Go do it. Here's an image I want you to carry with you. This is First Orlando. You've been doing it for years. Keep at it. Jesus, you've loved these men and women. May they receive that love. You've provided for these men and women. You, may they receive that provision. You've given these men and women time. May they receive that entrustment. Abilities. May they receive those understanding you gave them, and may they be pipes, not buckets, not for the glory of First Orlando, but for the glory of, of you, Jesus. May they be life givers in this community, and I pray this in the name of the life of the world. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.